0: Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 148. When we look at the world and we look at Scripture, sometimes we find a disconnect. Sometimes we find that the way Scripture describes things, the world is kind of upside down and backwards. The world is doing it all wrong. And this is one of those sorts of Psalms. It tells us who and what and when. God is praised, and the short answer is that everyone and everything all the time praises God, and we live in a world today in which that is not true. We live in a world today in which all sorts of things and people are praised and worshipped instead of the one true and living God. About this psalm, one commentator said, starting with the angelic host and descending through the skies to the various forms and creatures of earth, then summoning the family of man and finally the chosen people to call to praise unites the whole creation. Pastor of Eden Baptist Church in Cambridge, England wrote about this psalm. The psalmist explores just about every area of human knowledge to catalog the potential members of his cosmic congregation. He begins in the field of cosmology, angels, stars, and waters above the skies. Then, when he has satisfied himself that he has exhausted the celestial realm, he turns to the terrestrial, marine biology, great sea creatures in all ocean depths, meteorology, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, geomorphology and dendrology, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, zoology and ornithology, wild animals, cattle, small creatures and flying birds into capital, political geography, sociology and anthropology, Kings of the earth, all nations, princes, and rulers, young men and maidens, old men and children, there really can't have been many unthumbed articles left in his encyclopedia. The point of this psalm is everybody, everything, all the time, praise God. So let's look at who he says the psalmist should praise God. Starting in verses 1 through 6, he starts with angels. Now when we think of angels and how the world gets it wrong, people since time immemorial have worshiped angels, have looked to angels for guidance, have looked to angels to help them. I have known people when I used to work in tech who would actually pray to angels. One guy I knew kept seven stones in his pocket And on each of them was written the secret names of his seven guardian angels. And he could care less about the Bible or about God, but boy did he really know about his angels. And he prayed to them regularly for protection. Nowhere in the Bible does an angel ever accept praise or worship. In fact, when John tried to do it in the book of Revelation... The angel forbid him, saying, you only worship God. There is a a view today that was around when John wrote his gospel. People who have looked at John's gospel and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and there is a certain direction that he is going trying to disprove a heresy. He does prove that Christ is God. God, that he was raised from the dead. But he is also trying to fight something called Gnosticism. Gnosticism came about after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. It was a corruption of the Christian faith. Gnosticism is short for Gnostic, which means knowledge. The point of Gnosticism is that they have secret knowledge that you need to get into their system, that you need to get into their uh, belief system, and then they'll teach you the secret handshakes and the secret knowledge. If you think that Gnosticism has reduced or lessened over the last 2,000 years, do a very quick web search on Gnostic bookstores. You will find that there are nine of them in Santa Cruz County. Now, that's not, that's kind of expected, Santa Cruz kind of being a strange place, but there are Gnostic bookstores and no Christian bookstores are left in Santa Cruz. There are 27 other Gnostic bookstores all up and down the California coast and over 600 of them in the rest of the United States. The idea that this teaching, that there is secret knowledge. And what does Gnostics believe? They believe that there is a transcendent God that is perfect and holy and totally unreachable. Now, we believe that there is a transcendent God, perfect and holy, but he's reachable. They believe he's unreachable and he has these spiritual emanations. He kind of gives away part of his spirit and these spirit pieces that he gives out becomes angels, and actually one of them was Jesus, and they believe that Jesus is a created emanation from the one true God, and that is totally blasphemous from Scripture. God says that he came down to us. When we talk about who our God is, he is transcendent and he is imminent. He is far away, And he is near and he is near in the person of Jesus Christ who is God incarnate. And this sort of belief today that there are spirits out there that need to be worshipped and praised and you don't praise the one near God, the one true God. The idea that people will worship anything. Uh, G.K. Chesterton Said that if you don't believe in anything, you'll believe in everything. And that is what is happening today as we are removing religion and God from various venues and from education and from entertainment. There is no presentation of the true God. People have this hole in them that they need to worship, and they will worship anything that you throw out there, whether it be a stone with an angel's name on it or some unnamed um, angel. The psalmist then talks about heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets. And throughout the many years, those have been objects of worship. Your Romans, your Greeks had sun god, moon god, wind god. They had God names attached to the various natural things that are out there. When I used to work in tech, I actually met a person who worshipped the moon goddess. She actually believed that there was a goddess that lived in the moon. And I said, well, we've landed on the moon, we've flown all the way around the moon, and nobody saw it, and she just said, well, she's hiding that there is actually a goddess in the moon, and she prayed to her regularly, and that is something that we do as humans to corrupt creation, is we worship creation. We say creation is God instead of following the one true creator, God. Then in verses 7 through 12 talks about the animal kingdom, sea monsters in the ocean depths, lightning, hail, and clouds, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, all the creatures that crawl and flying birds, everything out there. Sometimes when I walk around my neighborhood in the morning, I see little squirrels dancing around and chasing each other on people's lawns, and there are some people who say, well, that is a very important creature that we must worship that squirrel, that we must make that squirrel into a little statue and worship it, and people are worshiping all sorts of things today. People look to the big mountains that we have on this earth and say that we must worship that because it is great and it is immutable, And people just will take anything you throw at them and say, yes, I will worship it. Yes, I will praise it. Yes, I will call that my God. And you have a certain comfort when you call a mountain your God because that mountain is never going to require anything of you. That mountain is never going to show you anything that you have to believe and you have to understand. And so people run away from the one true and living God and worship His creation. We worship anything we can on this earth instead of worshiping the one true God. And this psalm says that The sea monsters and the lightning and the mountains all praise God all the time. And you may ask the question well, how does a mountain praise God? It says in the psalm that with a word, God created the mountain, God created the oceans, God created the birds and the squirrels and the cattle and everything else that's walking on this earth today. They were all created by God. So by their very existence, we can look at a mountain, we can look at an animal, we can look at the weather and get a sense of the power of God and the plan is, the way it's supposed to work is I see the amazing things on earth, I see the the wonderful coastal redwoods that we have in this state that just tower way above everything and we're supposed to look at it and say, God is a great and wonderful God that look what God has given to us to enjoy. Look what God has created for the functioning of this planet that God has given us all manner of things to enjoy in this world and we praise Him for it Because these things, by their very existence, praise God. It says in Romans 1 that the heavens declare the glory of God. How do the heavens declare the glory of God? Because I can't, I look up at the night sky, I can't make that, I can't build that. Nobody on earth can build that. Nobody on earth can even count the number of stars we put telescopes out into space to get a better view and they're still having a trouble counting all the stars they can't even count all the stars and that is something that is supposed to put us in a state of awe and wonder at who God is and what God has done and we praise him and we worship him for it we do not praise and worship the creator. Then it comes to verses 11 and 12 and he moves into human beings. He says, kings of the earth and all people princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. And we are in a state today where we really like to praise people. We really like to lift People up on a pedestal until they say something we don't like and then we knock them off the pedestal. But we like to praise people and almost worship people. And there is a a movement that has been going on ever since biblical times. If you remember in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon at that particular time, king of the known world. And he gets up on his temple, on his palace, and he says, Look what I did, I am like God. Well, God didn't take too kindly to that, so he made him eat grass for seven years. Made him insane and function like an animal for seven years. But there are people, King Herod, in the book of Acts, uh, got up and said... I am God. People said the voice of a God and God knocked him down and he died at that moment. That there are people throughout the Bible who set themselves up as God as creator, as ruler, as great as God and God doesn't stand too kindly to that. In today's era there are all manner of people. Shirley MacLaine was big in the late 80s, early 90s, for claiming to be God. She wrote a book about how she was turning into God and how God was coming alive in her. Uh, I checked, and she's still alive. She's 86 years old, and I wonder if she feels much like God at this point. If you're that much of a God, you can probably prevent all the aches and pains that you might get when you're 86. Oprah Winfrey declared on national TV that she was, in fact, Jesus. Uh, She is not exclusively that. She also says that you're Jesus, that we're all Jesus. And so Jesus becomes a, a concept in her view, becomes something that we are becoming and not God incarnate. We like to deify human beings, we like to deify ourselves, we like to lift ourselves up thinking that we're much better than ourselves, and if I I am sitting on the throne in my heart, in my life, if I am the most important being in my universe, I'm not going to spend any time Praising God, I'm not going to spend any time worshiping God. I'm not going to spend any time focused on God because I'm only focused on me. And when we talk about the division that is occurring in the world today, in the United States today, it is not God doing it. God is a unifier. It is people saying, My views are better than yours, I am better than you. I think better thoughts than you. I have better ideas than you. And when you think the same thing toward me, if we're both the best creature in the planet, we're going to fight. We're going to divide. I will never get on the same page as you. Only when we all look to God and realize that we are all broken, depraved sinners. We're all equally bad. And God is the only one who is good. And it is God who lifts us up. It is God who gives us forgiveness. Nothing that I do myself. But this psalm looks for a time when everybody, all levels, kings and princes, all the way down to children, are praising God, are looking to God, are worshiping God, are putting God first in their lives and if you if you want to have a fix toward for America today the only fix you can have is for God to be brought back into the various levels of education the various levels of government we used to have a national government and a state government that would open meetings and prayer that there would actually be scripture reading during the time that Congress was in session and we don't seem to do that anymore as we focus more on ourselves and our selfishness. It then says in 14, he has raised up a horn for his people, praise all his saints. The, 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 Image of a horn is military strength. If God, God gave David a horn, for example, God gave uh, Joshua a horn, it uses that image, imagery in the book of Exodus and in the book of Joshua. It is strength. It is the ability to do things and accomplish things. And if we look at our lives and the problems and the issues and the difficulties and the time problems and the busyness that goes on to pray for a strength, to pray for God to give you the strength to get through it, for God to give you the strength to follow Him no matter what the difficulty is. I cannot be a person who judges God based on my problems. It's very easy to look at my bank account and say, God doesn't love me. Okay? I've had people say that to me. How can God love me if I've only got $9 in my bank account? Where in the Bible is that sort of a definition of God's love? It does not exist. Did Christ? Stop dying on the cross when you're checking a gown got down to $9? Did God stop loving you? Is Jesus' blood ineffective when your checking account gets down to $9? I don't think so. We need to look at God's love the way that he loves us. And when you look at Christ and you look at what he went through, and you look at the pain... And Christ took on him all of your sins from your first time you said no to your parents all the way up to whatever you're going to do next week. All of your sins, past, present, and future, were put on the cross and Christ experienced those sins fully. All your sin, all my sin, all the sin of all those who believe, all the billions of believers that have come and will come, was put on Christ. And for us to say that is minimalized because I woke up with a new pain in my knee, okay? I woke up with uh, difficulties that I'm. I perhaps have a housing problem. I have aches and pains. I have financial difficulties. My car's making a strange noise and I have lights coming on and all these sorts of things that we can focus on and we can say life is terrible because it's not going the way I want. As soon as you put your own expectations on your life and remove God's expectations from your life, you are putting yourself back on the throne and you will get nowhere with God. Only when we put Christ on the throne, when we say, Whatever happens, whatever my bank account looks like, whatever color of smoke is coming out of my car, whatever is going on with my housing, whatever is going on with my family and my relatives, whatever is going on with my health, whatever is going on with anything, all of that is subjected to the cross. The cross beats it all. The cross fixes it all. In eternity, we may not have a perfect life in our expectations in this time, but we are heading toward a perfect life. We are heading toward an eternity when everything will go just peachy and our expectations will be aligned with God's expectations. All we have to do is keep Him on the forefront, keep Him on the throne Pray through everything and lay every problem that we have at the foot of the cross. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, focus our eyes on you. Focus our eyes on everything that you're doing and not on our difficulties, not on our problems, not on our shattered expectations. Cause us to be people who praise you alone. Cause us to be people who join in creation and praise you every day, all the time, no matter what's going on. I can have problems that are insurmountable and I can look to the cross and praise you because the cross beats everything. Lord, we praise you for that and we ask your blessing on the remainder of the day. We ask all this in the blood of Christ. Amen.